Coming up on S4C, we've got loads, loads of games. Let's start with Saturday. TNS playing in the Ironbrew Cup. They've had a bit of success in this competition last couple of years, but can't quite get it over the line, get to that final and win the competition. So they kick off at home against Queen's Park. We will be there. The cameras are ready for the game on Saturday evening. So tune in to S4C for TNS against Queen's Park. And that game is sandwiched by a couple of Wales games. We've got them. We've got the rights, you beauty. Hopefully you guys can tune in to watch Wales play against Ireland. Ryan Giggs' first game in charge, first competitive game in charge of his country. Cannot wait for that one. Thursday, John Harton's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Malcolm Allen's going to be there. Joining Dylan Ebenezer, Nick Parry, Nicky John and the rest of the crew. And then Sunday, they travel to Denmark. We'll be covering that one as well. Not a clue what Denmark, what side they're going to put out. It's a bit of a shambles at the moment, but who cares? We want to see our boys get the job done, get the victory. So hopefully you guys can tune in. So Thursday, Wales against Ireland. Saturday, TNS against Queen's Park. And Sunday, we've got Wales away at Denmark. Live on S4C. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen. His seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot, but in the long run, your blues will be long gone with the long man and the long man. What is happening? Welcome to the Longman's football world, or the Longman's rugby world, it should be said. After the success of the Stephen Jones pod, we are going again. We are delving deep into the egg-shaped ball with a man who's got his roots in a pretty similar place to Stephen. Um, he's worn the red, or wears the red of the Scarlets, the red of Wales, and also had the honour of representing the Lions on their tour to New Zealand and we get into the conversation of the last couple of minutes of the last test when things could have been a very, very different had it not been for a, a little change of mind by the referee. Thank God. Uh, so really good to have a little sit down, a conversation with the one and only Ken Owens talking about rugby players, what they like to do uh, during the off-season, um, what he thinks of football. Being a Wales football fan, certainly during the Euros, his experiences of the media, 
trying to pit the rugby players against the footballers and vice versa, when in fact we're all chilled. The rugby players support the football boys and the football boys want to see the rugby lads do well. So hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation with Scarlet Wales and Lions hooker, Mr Ken Owens. Right, Mr Ken Owens, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for the invitation. No problem. Thank you for the welcome in the pack of Scarlets. Looking good here. Um, probably the first. I should have should have gone into this before we met. Do you even like football? I do. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an, an ardent follower of uh, a team or uh, club as such. I'm more of a generic fan who enjoys if I get an invitation or get some tickets oh. to a. To a game, I'll I'll go and watch. You know, I I enjoy going to watch Wales um, international level. I was through school um, through a couple of boys who used to buy a, a season ticket. Went of a better word, we could get some cheap tickets if we bought like the six qualifying games yeah, yeah. on the bounce. So we'd always go up through school, a group of us on on the bus, and we used to enjoy them days out. And um, rugby hinders that a little bit because we tend to clash a lot. Um, uh, Wales international Wales football or games for midweek and things like that so I haven't been as, as often as I would have liked over the last couple of years but managed to get out to the Euros as well which is a good, which is a good bit of fun yeah I think I was the bad omen I only got out to the semi so was, was that, probably the worst cause, game because we saw each other didn't we that, yeah we did that was your first game yeah so that was my first game of the of the Euros which I'm sure the boys will probably say yeah Shouldn't have wasted my time travelling three countries and slicing it out. But you know, it's um, but to be part of that, I think people said to me, uh, oh, "What's your highlight of the season? What's your sporting highlight of the year?" And I said it was being out in Leon with all the Welsh supporters and yeah. and watching the boys. You know, it wasn't the result they would have liked, but you could just see the effort and everything they put into it and. You know, it was just great for the country and the nation to to get behind, and you know, and a good bunch of boys, and just disappointing for them they didn't quite get to the final. But you know, the the way the people reacted and back at home and you know out in France was uh, was brilliant. Go on then, what was it like? You know, I was lucky enough to be out there working, working hard. You know how yeah. it is. Um, you know, I think the night that we saw each other. We were just having a few pints, just just a to set the nerves, you know, before the the big game the next day. But so it's obviously a privilege to be out there. What was it like here? Were, were you still in training? Was your season finished? Well, we were. I was for the early part. We were touring um, New Zealand, so we were out in New Zealand for the for the most the early part of the tournament, especially. So it was um, it was it was tough, obviously, with the time difference. But all the boys just right. Don't watch your phones. Uh, we'll, we'll get it on records. We we'll watch it over breakfast, and, yeah. and um, no, you know, I think. And then when obviously I missed the Belgium game due to a stag do. Uh, Did you? Yeah. Where were you? Um, I was in Marbella actually. Uh, so it was Josh Turnbull's stag do. So we caught that game, which was unbelievable again. And then I got a phone call um, saying, "Oh, I got some tickets for the semi. Uh, if you can get out there." Um, so I didn't want to turn it down. So me and my sister, my wife, and uh, her partner, and my sister's partner, they came out, and we had a an interesting journey out, which took a while. But 
on. Just, just wanted to be part of it. So, um, so obviously drove up to Heathrow. Wait, did, did you check loads of things and was it hard to get transportation out? Yeah, it was. My, my cousin was going out as well and his um, four, four big rugby boys, uh, they'd been out to one of the other previous games, but they jumped in a, in a Toyota Yaris and drove down to Lyon and, and basically had a blowout in Bridgend <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> early on. And then, um, so it was quite, it was tough. We drove to obviously the... Uh, what do we go Heathrow over to Brussels, Brussels down to Geneva, and then drive Geneva over to Lyon. So, but if, I'd definitely do it again just to experience them two days out there with all the Welsh supporters, just seeing everybody right behind the team. I think what was interesting, the a lot of the Welsh press, especially, tried. I don't know whether to make the Welsh players jealous or trying to make a bit of friction and sort of go in. Oh, I wonder what the Welsh rugby boys are feeling now that all the footballers are getting the attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we were just all. And then I was walking down the street and I bumped into Dav, David Jones, ex uh, Wales and Scarlet flanker, and he, he was there with his fam, with his uh, his boy uh, Jack. And then I was walking around, bumped into Toby Fallatow, Liam Williams, and Reese Priestland, and then it was like bumping into somebody. I was just like, do we really care? No, we're behind the team and we're all part of it. And, it's, and it was just great for Wales. And it did frustrate me a bit that people tried um, playing us off against each other. But you know, well, the rugby boys were... I think they spent more time in France when they got in the first month of their off-season than they did anywhere else because the boys done a lot of travelling and to get out there, which I think is brilliant. It's great for the country and just to see how... Uh, how they enjoyed themselves, and I, I think it was very similar to our World Cup back in 2011 mm. in New Zealand, when you know we had a good bunch of boys who worked hard for each other and just enjoyed each other's company, and then it, it gives the nation something to get behind and to follow. And you know we're such a small country, we can't can't be can't afford to be battling each other. It's, it is crazy, isn't it, when the media gets, you know, because it's always been there, mm. you know that that not. Cut, that competition, if you like, rugby football, which is the nation's sport, and it's like, who cares, man? Yeah. No, it is. It is who cares. You know, like, w- would you would you boys talk about it? You know, when you saw each other over there, would you say, "Oh my God, did you see what they're trying to"? A, li- a little bit, because you would get things sent to you, and you would, and then, then the boys they get a bit. You've had a beer down you, and then you see only pictures you can get on and go in selfies or. Uh, really annoyed that the footballers are having yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the attention type of thing, but we're actually here supporting them and just getting behind it. And this, you have a little, little laugh and a joke, but at the end of the day, they're just trying to sell, um, sell stories to try and pay the bills. You can't blame them; it's just what they do. It can't really let it affect you. But it, it was frustrating at, at times. Leon, Leon was a class place, wasn't it? It was good, beautiful place. Probably my favourite. Is it a city? Yeah. Definitely. We'll call well, it a city. Yeah. Probably my favourite one. I've done plenty of walking trying to find yeah. to pick my tickets up anyway. So I, I, got on, up. I got on one of those Boris bikes. I was there a day earlier. So okay. two days before the game. Yeah. Uh, just having the time of my life really, you know. But working hard, Ken. Always, you, always working you know hard. How it is. Well, you're just sampling the environment, the, the city, getting into the culture. Got to soak it research, in, it? research. Research, <laughs> absolutely. But it sounds to me as if maybe the quarterfinal, forget about the result and performance... Sounds to me like you would have had a little bit more fun over in Marbella. I was. It was a it was a busy weekend, you know. It was. Uh, Where did you watch the, the game? Um, Lineker's. 
No, just out from Lindy. No, it wasn't. It was uh, by the hotel, just a little burger burger restaurant. You got All two. Boys in there. You got two in my bay. You've got like the the strip of the by the water by the yeah. by the boats and that, which is posh. It's a little bit classier. You've got your ocean club on the corner, yeah, and then we went there. and then you've got the side street behind it, haven't you? The Lindy. That's yeah, what you. I, I think we were in the side street, the side typical Welsh boys just. Yeah. Um, yeah, find find the nearest bar that serves a bit of food and just and watch the game. But uh, no, we we had a good laugh out there. And, but, but like I said, there's a, as soon as you got out there, it was like right, where can we watch the Wales game? It wasn't. I don't want to watch that. It was, let's find somewhere to support the boys and, yeah. and get behind them. Well, you always you know hard season, and I guess it's different for you boys that are internationals. Generally, you'll have a trip away in the summer, so you, there'll be a long tour. To whichever country, but is there always time to fit in a lads' holiday or you know a team a, t- a team holiday? Um, no, probably not. So we've been fortunate the last two years, especially to to have got to finals. So lit- literally, this year was we played on the Saturday uh, against Leinster in Dublin, and the boys who l- went on tour to North America and Argentina were on the. On the bus at four o'clock to get to Dublin Airport to fly to Heathrow to join up with the Welsh boys to fly to North America. Okay. So that was that. We didn't we didn't have any time to sort of catch up and um, you know sort of end the season. You know, obviously we lost the final, but just just go right. Let's have a couple of beers and and then go our separate ways till till this uh, pre-season starts again. It was just like that's it, and then. You go off for start your holidays on that Monday for four to six weeks, however long you got off, and then by the time that that period's finished, you've got the internationals who are just coming off tour who then start their holidays for the six, the next part. So it was the first summer ever that I actually enjoyed. I had a full almost 12 weeks off, yeah, that I then had both big blocks of um, of time off this year, which was really nice. Ended up, I did go to Argentina to, I'd done a bit of work with Channel 4 and with the WIU, some commercial stuff out there. Uh, so I was out there for 10 days in Argentina. So it was good to see see, see a tour when you've stepped back and just can enjoy the rugby, enjoy yeah. the, sort of see the place a little bit, which was which was nice. Um, and then ended up going out to New Zealand then for for a week. Flew from there to New Zealand for Hadley Parks' wedding. Yeah. So uh, that was a, a really good bit of fun. To be fair, it was uh, good to go there with no rugby commitments either, and just to see. Uh, predominantly stayed in Auckland, but it was just you know good to see the city and and the area without any pressures of rugby again. So it was nice. And then by the time I got home to uh, back to the UK, my wife had finished work working in. Um, Argentina because she was uh, doing some work for um, well her production company had the, the contract with Channel 4 to cover the Wales and Scotland as summer tours so by the time she got back from Resistencia after the, the Argentina-Scotland game we were back in the country and we just went on holiday family holiday then to, to Greece which was nice and chilled out and yeah just made the most of the summer really you uh, need that recharge don't you I mean I guess footballers at the top level, rugby players at the top level, it's it's a relentless. You know, you've you've got your season, and then there'll be a World Cup, and then you've straight back into a season, 
and then you know players from different countries will have a Copa America maybe yeah. uh, African Cup of Nations fitted in somewhere along the line all of a sudden then the next one it might be the Euros for some players it's, it's relentless isn't it no it is it's, as I was talking to the coaches it was my first full summer off without going on a summer tour um, or being injured where I've had just uh, finished the season a long break before coming to pre-season since 2009 I think so it was a, you know, a long time so it was just nice to just really finish the season and then just step away from rugby and and it actually gives you that little bit of hunger back into the game you know you, you do have hunger and always want to play and play to the best of your ability but sometimes when you're you're constantly going from one thing to the next and like I already have people of like the pre-season starting now and then we're going into starting the league but people are already talking about the autumn internationals and then as soon as the autumn's be over be six nations you just say we've actually got European campaigns and um, league and, and it's just like it's just and then at the end of the season you go into a World Cup training camp and yeah. so it, it was just nice to take a step back from rugby and just let the body settle and mentally recharge really and, and just go so after about a month I was sort of like I'm really enjoying this now and then you get to about six, seven weeks where you're not used to having this much time off and then you go actually I'm starting to miss it now and you start looking for that routine back yeah. which has been really nice so it's um, no it was a, a good summer it was a, a what, lot of fun then. What, what about your fitness Ken like rugby's getting more more and more professional with every year that passes um, you know I saw a change footballing wise from your summer was your summer and lads had come back heavy and they wouldn't care because they, they knew that they'd have the fat club for a couple of weeks but everything is normal and then towards the end lads are coming back so fit maybe they'd have a week of doing nothing and then after that they were at it you know and these days especially when you've got your Instagram they're yeah. posting their stories I see them thinking oh I do not envy being back in pre-season no it's um for me, because obviously end of the season, so this year was slightly different. I was with inverted commas on standby for the summer tour just in case because they decided to take two two hookers uh, for the tour. So I did sort of keep myself pretty decent shape for so two weeks right at the end of the season, trained quite hard. Yeah, went to Argentina. And then as soon as the boys got through that first game, it was just right. My summer's over now. I can. I can enjoy. I can enjoy that, and it's you just got to be smart with it. I think, like after the Lions tour the summer before, I did literally just go right. I'm just enjoying myself. Pigged out, yeah. Pigged out. Came back in the probably the worst shape I've done in ever. Really. But it was just one of them. I, I, was, was it professional? No, but did I probably need it? Yeah. And it's, and then you just when you come back in, you 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 can do that once or twice where you just say right, I'm gonna go hard now. For ten days, quite extreme dieting, I suppose, and okay. you know, and I was pretty much back in shape within a fortnight, you know, and, and ready to go again. Because I luckily I had done a lot of running and and conditioning work, but hadn't had my nutrition and the other side of it right. Whereas this year I did really try and keep on top of my nutrition a lot better. And it, was, okay. it was actually knowing that I'd have that longer break off to potentially go right. If I wanted that again. I need to go right. No, you can't be trusted to yeah. to go away and have that time off. So I, I came back in, you know, 
hit my targets. I was probably below my targets where I needed to be. So I was actually surprised of how diligent I perhaps was. But knowing I'd ha- I was going to have that long time off. Uh, it's routine, isn't it? It is. Like, I know now, working media-wise, radio, television, on the road a lot. And I've said it before, I know every service station. I know which service station has got a McDonald's, which one's got a KFC. Cross hands, KFC gets hit quite hard yeah, going up towards Alba. I, I never go there. Never you see, you see it from a distance, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know where every yeah. Starbucks is, where every Krispy Kreme donuts they're getting more and more. Yeah. Um, and it's hard, man. You know that discipline. Whereas I haven't got the training uh, routine. It's it's all on me now. It's not a team thing. Yeah. Same sort of thing. Once no. you hit your summer, what is pigging out for you? Booze and and food. Um. Beer more than anything, probably for me. Yeah. Which is, um, I enjoy a beer. As I say, it's, you know, I, I, I do enjoy my food, but you do over the years get to learn some tricks of the trade with how to keep your calorie content down if you're having a couple of beers and things like that. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, beer is probably my, one of my big downfalls. Food, I can, I quite like having a salad or a, you know, a nice steak with some veg, you know, that that doesn't bother me, but it's... That fulfills you. Yeah. You don't necessarily need that junk food. No. You're happy with that, but you fancy a little... It's, it's the beer that's um, the tough one for me, probably, because I do do enjoy it. and um, Yeah, but you, you do learn, so it's like you do little things like, perhaps I shouldn't be saying this, my nutritionist and the <laughs> fitness coach of the club, but... You, Know, just if you're, you know, you're having a couple of beers, just make sure you don't don't go to the local kebab house or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or a takeaway on the way home and just things like that. So, you know, it's, but from a conditioning point of view, I think if you balance that with a, a decent, you know, if you do have a couple of beers, then you can't afford to have a poor um, eating habits. Where last summer I probably did, where this summer I've been quite good. I have enjoyed a couple of beers, but. I kept my eating habits pretty clean and uh, I just kept up with the training. But I think you do get to a point where, like you're saying, things are getting more professional. You actually enjoy training and and things like that. So when you you don't do it for a couple of weeks, you you start to miss it. Start to miss going to the gyms. That you know that feeling of going. I put a good session in there now. I think you do get used to that. Where. You do. You do start feeling heavy and and lethargic and tired, do you know what I mean? But I think if you go right, I'm getting up first thing before the kids are up, I'm I'm just gonna go get down the I was gonna get down to one of the local rugby clubs, right? I'm getting one of my running sessions in now. Yeah. And then you're home and then you feel much better for for doing it as well. And the summer we've had as well, it's it's been quite enjoyable getting out, getting a good sweat on and Trying to get moving again. What about young players in the squads? You know, whether it's Wales or, or Scarlets, can you see a change in that culture in terms of uh, drinking? Because again, I, I saw a, a change that all of a sudden you're thinking these young lads they don't like drinking beer, especially because they've cottoned on to the fact that it's it's yeah. not really good for your health. So they'll have you know whatever it is, a JD and Coke, but they don't drink as much. No, I think um, I. Well, my my sort of year it was the first year to go into a an academy sort of setup, and you you're seeing boys are probably going into that 
a lot younger now. They're more aware of professionalism from a younger age. So where they haven't been perhaps exposed to your local youth rugby, your local club rugby, yeah, which, yeah. which I was I, when I first started. It was playing with men. Youth, you, you know, it'd be nothing to go. You know, have to be on a Thursday before I was in the academy. You'd go, you know, finish school. You know, I just turned eighteen, so you was go to, out with your mates on a Thursday night, and then school. You know, if you had a day off on Friday, and then. You'd play youth rugby on a Saturday and then it'd be out on a Saturday. Do you mean they haven't perhaps been exposed to that and and they've been in more of a, a professional environment with the newer colleges system and then the academies where they've professionalism has started earlier for them. So, you know I think what's what's become apparent is periodizing you know, when you've got big blocks of games or important games you go right, gotta be sensible with it now. I think as well, sometimes if I'm a bit of an alcoholic or something, well, I enjoy my beer, but I think you found that you it can be used in a good way, you know, to, right, you work hard, post-match, you know, you've had a good result, I think you should enjoy them moments as well. And, yeah. You know, we got boys in our squad who don't drink, but, you know, that's their personal decision, and then other boys do enjoy a beer, and I think it's, it's doing what's right for you, yeah. and doing, so for me, I, I can't, have a beer midweek and turn up training on a on a Tuesday and, and things like that and actually be able to perform on the on the Saturday. So I I generally don't do it. Some boys can do that. And yeah. I think it's knowing your body and knowing what you need to do to be able to prepare to put a performance in on the Saturday. And I think it you know what's wrong with some boys having a beer after the game if they're turning out putting performances week after week and, and it's some players if they're enjoying a beer but they're not performing then obviously they've got to see whether that's impacting their performance on the Saturday sometimes it, they lose control I remember um, playing for Swansea two lads hadn't turned up one morning trained mm. up in Fairwood um, Steve Watt and Rory Fallon and the lads thinking where are they we knew they liked they liked the beer you know going out uh, just living their best life at the time probably was affecting their training but they hadn't turned up so we've gone out, ready to train, a couple of laps of the pitches just to get going. And then as we're doing the laps, and lucky for them, the gaffer hadn't come out yet. He was still in the office. They've turned up in the car, parked it up like behind a bank. They were changed, ready, wearing their kit, boots are on, straight out of the car, and then waited for us to just pass as a group and then just joined in, you know. I feel bad. That's not, that's not a bad thing. Not to, a, be, <laughs> to be fair, we don't have... Um, Many boys. You can You, you boys drink, are um, it's top level now. You can't get away with it. No, you know, we don't have boys go midweek and things like that. But I'm sure we do have a couple. But like I said, you if you t- if you've got to be able to turn up and front up and do it. And to be fair to them, we go, we've probably got a culture of the scarless where we we work pretty hard and we we do enjoy a beer. And I think it's a perception from the outside that we rely on that sort of team ethos that always has to be around drinking but okay. it's probably a little bit unfair I'd, I'd say because it just is you know we we all made a conscious decision we we had a big game the end of last season and it was just yeah go out and have a beer and all the boys now are going to leave it. we've got a big game Saturday yeah. we'll enjoy it after the game on Saturday and that's decisions you make do you know what I mean it's, I think it's all about 
doing it at the right time, knowing your body, and you know I, I've perhaps learned that over the years by gaining more experience and uh, hello, <laughs> and just learn and and you you get to know your body. It takes a little bit of time, and I think, but I think you still need to be able to let your hair down and enjoy and and enjoy them big moments. So I've spoken to and read about certain players who their biggest regrets are that they continuously look for perfection and and the next big challenge so they achieve a, a goal and then as soon as that was over it was like right I'm going to what's the next challenge or what's the next goal without actually celebrating that the goal that they've just achieved yeah. and I think you've got to have that to to keep well, keep you hungry you know, for some people it is perhaps I want to be here or, and others it isn't but I think you, you've got to whatever which way you you enjoy or celebrate you have to do that I know some it, of the boys you know, their big weakness is chocolate and and things like that and I'll perhaps eat in a you know a Chinese or something yeah, like yeah. that well so it's, if that that's the way they say, yeah so I think you've just got to you know just do what's best for you and, and what your body allows you to do as well this has been a good 20 minutes this is like an AA meeting you know just overcoming it is, I know. a bit of therapy <laughs> but it, you know it's, it just just shows I talk about it with loads of people you know that that environment where you enjoy each other's company it's important um, some people don't drink as, as you mentioned but it just that team environment there's nothing better if, you, if you're having success and you're sharing it with a bunch of lads that you like Oh, it it's is class, isn't it? Oh, it is brilliant, and, and we're weird, so especially you know, over the last sort of eight, nine years that I've been involved in, we have been pretty successful, and we have enjoyed each other's company, and worked really hard as well. So I think as people forget that the success on the field, or perhaps the hear things are always at a beer, but people forget about the hard work that does go in in the in yeah. the weekdays as well. Yeah, and I think you know. The, the scars, especially, you know, I think you can see a couple of pictures that are up on the wall. There's, there's not many who haven't got a can, you know, there's uh, the two is, big portraits. Is there a better feeling, Ken, than that? So, we're looking at pictures of you boys celebrating after success, a couple of trophies. It, you know, that I don't know, it might be for you two minutes, it might be ten minutes, it might be a half hour in the dressing room with your teammates. You know, your sweat's pouring off your head, you're taking off your socks, you've got fucking cuts. Bruises everywhere, but you've won together. Oh, it's it's huge. I mean, that one, uh, big picture there. The whole squad, um, non twenty three boys, the staff. You know, that was probably um, three three or four years in the making from when Wayne Pivak started, and a lot of change happened here. And that's the culture we built in that time. Do you know what I mean? I I didn't play in that final because uh, of injury. Is that you with the covering your own face with your fist? Uh, yeah, it actually is. Yeah, <laughs> I think somebody stood on my toe. I think Andy Parsons <laughs> stood on my my bad foot. Um, but do you know what I mean I, I've never been prouder than than watching the boys that day. Yes, I would have liked to have been out there playing and, and the rest of it. But just to be in that dress room, is in the effort of the not just the the twenty three boys in in the jerseys who played that day, but all the boys and jackets and weren't involved. It was the efforts they put in during the season. Some boys didn't even get on to a minute in the field, but what they'd done on the training field to push the other boys and prepare them for games is, is huge. And 
that's why you play rugby for moments like that is not when you've put a long hard season or three or four seasons worth of work in and you and there's something tangible at the end of it you know obviously this year we got to a final and didn't win but there was no actual better feeling than being in the change room uh, you've lost and you're absolutely devastated but you can look at everybody single member in the eye and just go it wasn't our day today but yeah. we, you knew the effort had gone in and what had been had been done leading up to that and then you just go why well, we go go again for next year and this the end of the day that's why you play sport is is to play in big games and to, and to win the things you don't win to be mediocre yeah it's, it's interesting to be mediocre so. it, it's interesting what you're saying there because I can like relate specifically to being part of squads where I haven't played that much so for one reason or another I've, I've been in teams where I've played um, and then I've had seasons where I've hardly played and, and they've done well and you can still because you're with those boys every day you're training hard and you're helping them if anything do, do you, know, you know the training that you're putting up if you work hard in training you're, you're preparing those boys that are going to be picked on the Saturday of course you are. but sometimes fans don't see that do they they'll see the guy who's not playing as a useless piece yeah. of shit that's taking the club's money no they do like for me I had ex- my one sort of experience that I was doing the 2011 World Cup uh, so obviously done all the training camps and worked with the boys a couple of injuries ha- happened and ended up going to the World Cup as as third choice hooker only ended up playing 20 minutes against Namibia first cap as well in the World which Cup which was my yeah? first cap yeah, and I saw but I didn't never felt that I wasn't part of the side because of that and I think the boys but I like to think that I was their go-to you know if they needed to do a bit of extra tackling work I was the guy who would take the hits or yeah. you know I was, I'd always feel as if that was how I could contribute to the success of that side knowing what happened because of uh, a couple of other guys ahead of me and and just just put the effort in. When I hopefully got a chance, I'd uh, I'd take it and you know and fortunately it was the other two boys were playing well, Hugh Bennett and and Lloyd Burns and you know I had my twenty minutes against Namibia and I felt you know put a good shift in and yeah. and done the best I could and but then I just made sure in the week then I was at my best. I could be in training to, to like you said, pre- prepare the boys, and if it meant uh, Hugh Bennett can can train for whatever reason, he had a, a bit of a bump start the week. I'd take a couple of extra scrums, or if some of the boys needed, like I said, tackling practice, and it's not nice being hit when you know you're not going to play. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. that that's all part of the squad and the team environment. I think it's a lot of players perhaps don't get picked or don't make it, or don't stay in squads long enough because they're not they don't add enough to the environment off the field as well yeah. and that's why some players are probably perceived as better players and people wonder why they don't get picked is because they actually cost the environment more yeah. or don't add to the environment as, as much as they should be it's interesting I think because you, you will have sampled both if we're talking about Wales yeah. now you will have been in that position and you will have been in the position where you play and yeah. probably have a good idea that you're going to play I think it People just need an awareness, and I've definitely had it, of knowing your place. So I knew that if every player that was available for Wales was fit, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be in the squad. The likelihood was I wouldn't be in the squad. But, and I used to joke that if a disaster struck or a natural disaster, if there was a big 
bus going off the road or something, then I get called up. If there's a mass illness within the squad, but you have to be ready to go then, don't you? You know, it's it's just that awareness sometimes, and it's hard because egos get in the way. It is tough, and you know, I don't get me wrong. I I've always perhaps not been the best at times of dealing with things like that. I have moments I regret in my career mm. um, in terms of not not I've perhaps um, frustration has built up to the point where I've perhaps lashed out or done things that, that haven't been great but it's like I said there's no one in your place is it Ken right is it a little bit of that feeling it's not even that you're hurt that you're not playing it's it's what what you think other people think that you, you feel you've got to react this way to show that you're disappointed um, no I, it was just a huge frustration just a head loss there's uh, yeah basically where uh, certain things were said and then people went back on their word a couple of times which probably sent me over the edge okay and reacted and not the best sort of way, but from a performance, I did front up on the Saturday and actually played quite well when I when I got on the field. But right. it, it was the sort of how I handled handled it a little bit, which you learn as you get older, I suppose. I mean, and we're, um, we're not going into detail on that story, are we? No, I might keep that left. Yeah. <laughs> Leave that for your book. No, it was just no, it was it was, it was just uh, yeah, I don't. Know. It was um, it was it was just a different. It was just one of them where, and perhaps did I think I was a little slightly better than I was at the time, maybe, which as well happens. Yeah. But I think it was more of pretty much being told that I was starting in a in a big game, and then when it came down to the selection, I when the actually the official work of I was told that yeah, I'm not playing, really- which was was probably topped me over the edge in in it all because even if I wasn't. Like you said, know your role. Like with Wales, at one point I was, I was coming off the bench, and that became my role in the team, which I was happy with. Obviously, I go the course of what can I do better to to start, and uh, you know, because I, I I always had that mindset. But then you've got to sometimes go, right. This is my job at the moment. Now is is you coming off the bench? You got to add, add impact. Yeah. It was when you were doing that, and it was. It was more club level. This happened than international level. It was. You, you can see, perhaps you, right? You need to do X, Y, and Z. You show this, and you'd be starting, and then you you keep doing it, and then it's just, just frustrates you, and then it, you know. But I always took it. I just got to keep working harder and 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 keep proving yourself. And thankfully, I was taking a, a bit of time. But you know, I I've learned off. Been lucky enough for the Scarlets. I've been. Learned off some of the best hookers in the world, um, and and with Wales, both you know playing with them and and being coached by them as well. And so I have been fortunate. You know, it's, it does get you sometimes, but it is what it is, and that's that's it's between professional your ears, sport. isn't it? Professional sport more than anything else. It's between your ears how you handle disappointment, whether it's injuries or not playing. You know, because it just adds stress to to your life, doesn't it? How you how you deal with that is massive. It does, and you know I. I had one one point um, where it did really affect me, and, it, and I started 
you know, obviously you take it home then and you take out on on the people who are around you day to day then, you know, your wife or parents and, and then you become an absolute nightmare and mm. you know, luckily enough I've learned over the years you just gotta try and separate separate that as well where it's the way I was looked at about it is the way I was and how I get it's because I actually cared and I wanted to get, be the best and get better and um, that's how you deal with it as well and then you've got to learn to you leave it that at Park Scarlet or at Stradley Park and, uh, back at the Vale and then when you get home that's home time and you've got to be able to switch and, and then take that pressure off yourself Would you would you not want to talk about rugby with with your family and that because uh, probably when things weren't going well if, if my mum or dad would phone me whether I'm living in Norwich or Scotland and they're asking how training's going these phone calls are so short you know how was training today yeah it was fine yeah. what did you do I was just trained yeah. you know and that's that's shit on my behalf because people want an insight into football people yeah. want an insight into professional sport but to you it's a job yeah. you know and sometimes you don't want to talk about it because um, I, I, yeah, so you, you do, like the, I'd say, my father exactly the same. He's been probably my biggest supporter over the years, and he, and it'd be exactly that. You know, oh, I was training today, and he went, yeah, fine. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. I said, really short, and then, and that's when you can take things out on them. Then, and I think the hardest thing is, especially in sport, you play the sport you love. So a lot of your like probably you guys as a footballer you're like me growing up all my or the majority of my mates have been around the local rugby club and in school we were in the school rugby team together and the, yeah and then so when you turn to social you go and do something you go down to the local rugby club okay. so then the talk is always about rugby yeah. because it's on the TV and you're, you're discussing different things lo- local rugby politics or whatever and then you're like, oh, I'll talk about something else. Like, but then they've been in their day-to-day jobs, which is bricklaying or um, you know working in the bank or whatever. So that is their social circle. That's what they that's, talk about. They're talking. Release. They're talking about their hobby. Yeah. And then, and I actually started uh, had a conversation. I went to um, talking to one of the boys. I said, oh, so what are you doing at the moment? Asking because we've been talking about rugby for about an hour. Because oh, I don't want to talk about work here now. So, you just talked about. Well, I've just spoken about work for the last hour, <laughs> but it's it's just you just gotta understand. I think that it is life, especially in this part of the world where I'm living in West Wales. It's it is more than just a sport. It's a it's a way of life. It's yeah, a hobby. Yeah. It's it's what everybody loves. And and I just say you just you you do get to an age or an experience where you just go you learn to keep it generic at times or and, ju- and just you, know, you can go, go with the flow you can go deep into it because what you have then is people giving you advice on oh. who should be playing yeah. and he's your mate there might be slating someone who's your mate in the dressing oh he's shit or whatever and you don't want to hear that yeah. you also don't want to hear the token gesture if you're not playing you're not in the yeah. team and they're almost saying what they think you want to hear oh you yeah. know you should be playing and that and you, you don't want to have that conversation, yeah. but you you do get older and you understand it a yeah. little bit more, don't you? Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've, I've had it many times where 
I'd been in Kamar then and the guys come up to me and basically kissed my ass for, for about 20 minutes of a conversation and I've gone down to Marks and Spencer's and you heard the same guy slag me off behind my back yeah. and I'm like do I go over and confront him or is yeah, it yeah yeah but it's like there's no point you're not going to it's probably this guy who just wants to tell everybody what they want to hear yeah and the thing is I've just learned like every you know opinions like an arsehole now everyone's got one so yeah. you just got to you're not going to change you just got to you're not going to change well you may be able to change people's perceptions or opinions of you but for me it's as long as I know I'm doing what I can do to be the best player possible day in day out and I'm delivering what my coaches, my managers, what one for me, then I, can I, I can live with that. And you know, if sit and you know, I respect people's opinions and and in this street, but you know, people say you should be doing more of this. Well, that's not our game plan. Or yeah, so it's yeah, like, exactly. well, so what do you want to do? I'll go off script. And yeah. Then, so you you know you you do have to have a respect for you know, people's opinions and, and stuff. small talk. And you just got to have small talk. But, that's all. You know. Uh, it's it's is what it is. Do you know what I mean? As as long as the people who employ you for a start and you're delivering exactly what they want from you, then the rest of it is what it is. And it's I have heard Ken, you know, because I've just seen your management staff that there's no problem with you off the pitch. You know, other hobbies, you are the tyre man. That's what I'm hearing. For the tyre man, you know, when you're not thinking about rugby, you're selling tyres. Is that I your old man's say that's, that's my old man's business, yeah. So, um, obviously, you just bumped into Steve Jones was after a deal, is he, for, for, <laughs> for four tyres? I need to. Look, look after him. <laughs> no, yes. Um, is, is that the plan for you? Is that an avenue after you finish um, playing? Have you got an eye on that? Or what are you now, 30? 31. So, I've, it is something I've been thinking about, especially at two major reasonably major neck operations in my career okay position I'm in that you know it could something could happen at any time touch wood I mean alright last couple of years but you know you always keep an eye on that and try and be smart I like to think I've been pretty smart you know my finances and money off the field but it's i got a couple, couple of options obviously my, my, pay, my father's got his own his own business and which we have spoken about in the past and this it's one of them. He's been in the tiger industry since he was 16 years of age. He knows it absolutely inside and out. Yeah. I've done a couple of summers here or there answering phones and sweeping. Yeah. I'm pretending that I know what I'm doing, basically. Um, and it's the other thing, whether people think it or not, I've been last since I was 18, 18 and a half, you know, pretty much a professional rugby player. And then there's pressures to that, and do um, you know training demands, and you know long periods away from your family, and you know going through injuries, and uh, you know media attention, press, and and all the rest of it. Sometimes you want to go into a job potentially with a lot of pressure again. So like my, my father's work, you know, he employs. 10, 15 boys yeah. so it's not actually about you your, your, own, them, your, own, yeah. your own family you provide, you've got to worry about providing for so the 10 or 15 families you, you provide, you've got to make sure so I don't know it's um, something you think about luckily my wife's got a, her own production company which is going pretty well at the moment so whether 
if you go to a tea boy or something, somebody. But you know, the, your family dynamic changes as well. So you know, we've got a little one, which is, you know, she's done certain things in her her career um, that because of my my work has allowed her to to take risks in in her career as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, to be able to point that, you know, perhaps I I can take a step back to take some risks and in my in in my future career. Rugby players are known to be quite tight anyway, aren't they? So you'll be alright. Certain players are. You've stashed a bit away, I'm sure, Ken. I want to say there's enough to uh, to have my feet up for the rest of my life, but no, you know, it's, I'm not saying it is. We're very well paid. Um, it's probably a smart with your money, and we'll never earn enough. Post. No, it's I, true. I won't earn enough to uh, to just finish and stop playing, I think. You that. wouldn't want to either. You know, you want to keep your mind occupied with something. You have, you've got to do something. I think. I think that's be certain issues, you know, boys suffer perhaps some mental health issues. Uh, after post rugby, or they get into bad ways, you know, gambling and and different things, and you become in a spiral. So I think you've got to give yourself an option. It's, I've, I've, I have thought, especially recently, just trying to prepare myself for when time comes hopefully I can go out on my own terms and it's not forced due to injury yeah. or whatever I can go out on my own terms and I'll be ready to go right I've got something to go into or you know I don't know perhaps I'm not writing off education or you know retraining or something like that but I'm not sure I would like um, the golden ticket somebody coming off for me some magic ambassadorial role yeah, or yeah. working for some company hosting dinners and, and that type of stuff but you know they're not always out there and like we were talking just before there's, there's much money in punditry even though there's that perception of you go and work on TV people think because you're on TV you're a millionaire it's, yeah you know, and, and it's, it's not you, get, you do get the boys who will get their big contracts with certain TV providers and yeah. whatever but the reality is that how many are there there's, there's not that much few and far between and also it's your relevance within the game so you might be a pundit for a handful of years a couple of years five, ten whatever it may be but the truth is there'll always be someone up and coming that's more relevant to that time so you've got to adapt what you do then no it is you know, and, you know I'm not saying and the way rugby is changing even over the last two or three years, I can see a huge change in the game. From when I first started in back, on my first professional game back in 2005 or six, wherever it was, the game's almost unrecognisable. And if you're out of the game day to day, how do you stay relevant, like you said? And then people say, oh, does coaching interest you? And the reality is, in Wales, there isn't a whole lot of coaching jobs because you've only got f- four professional teams. Yeah. The union setup and, and things like that—it's it's not actually—it is a, a viable option, but I think coaching is a—you got to be a, cer- a certain type of person as well. And, yeah. And the reality is, is, yeah, you could get one coaching job, lose that job, and then where do you go to after that? Because it couldn't be. Yeah. In, in football, it's slightly different because you've got how many ninety-two league teams or something like that. Uh-huh. There's abroad there's a lot you know you've got four divisions and they you can still earn a living down in the bottom 
even though it's not a huge, yeah, yeah. massive money, but there, there is still jobs that can offer you a professional career after, yeah. where in rugby, it's, it's not there. So I think it's rugby coaching is, is more of a way of life than as well, like a professional rugby player. And you actually work hard in different ways to, longer to the hours, players, longer yeah. hours. You've got to get the, the prep work, the analysis work done. And it's, uh, it's unforgiving and... I wouldn't say I'm not writing myself off that I would never want to do it but it's not something that potentially interests me you, you spoke about a, a couple of neck injuries that you've had the physicality of rugby how have you always just been in school just a smasher like smashing people um, how how have how's your body adapted to being able to cope with the demands weekly because it's the sport is I, pretty brutal at times I was big in school <laughs> I was in year 11 playing for the first team and I was the, the second heaviest in the team I was quite a quick fat guy okay. a quickish fat guy so for me when I when I was playing age grade rugby I'd get away I was a hundred and I think went to 19's World Cup in Dubai and I was 127 kilos okay. which is uh, 22 stone 20, something like that quite heavy big boy where I, I'd be able to Ten or twelve carries, plenty of gain line, weight in the scrum. Yeah, but I couldn't get around the fields. You know, to the demands, you get away with that age grid. So when I got up to pro level, I spent the first summer just in fat club, just getting my weight down. And it's, it was tough, but it was that summer really showed right. That's this is professional rugby. Give me a discipline to go. Right, I know what it is now, in early, extra conditioning sessions. But then, for me, would I always be the big ball carrier because of my size? I had to adapt then to being lighter, uh, playing a quicker game mm. with bigger men, basically, because I've been playing boys my own age. And then that's where you find it tough then, you've got to adapt and... And then you you finally find your way, or, or and then what your sort of perhaps USP is as a as a player, but then the game is evolves so quickly and changes, and you got the um, it becomes very defence orientated, and then a couple of law changes it becomes attack orientated. A new coach comes in wants to play a different style. Mm-hmm. So one coach wants you know, smash bang rugby, and then another guy wants to play wide plenty of uh, free-flowing rugby so you need to change body shapes and so it's I think that's the that's the challenge as a rugby player and how you well that's what professionalism is and the best players they adapt and I managed to do that and I think I was I had to probably change the way I played in school and age grade rugby and even when I played a little bit of semi-pro rugby you get away with it and then that was the big difference change for me was making that step up and the step up from regional to international mm. is um, a lot of it's mindset as well I think you it's your top two inches but you do, your body adapts and gets used to it is it like because uh, a big UFC fan and I watched yeah. that and you see a couple of the like a leg kick for example yeah. and I watch a leg kick and I think nah fuck off yeah. I'm taking one of those and I'm, yeah. I'm hitting the deck 
right? Or one uh, body shot. Yeah. So you get a punch to the stomach. I'm thinking, that's probably going to kill me. But somehow those athletes, if they can handle it, they just adapt their bodies and you get used to the the hits on a rugby pitcher. You're obviously conditioned, right? Um, Because obviously you're doing it day in, day out. Your body gets used to it. I think what we're seeing now potentially is players younger are getting bigger injuries in terms of shoulder reconstructions, which was never... It was only the older players who've been playing for 10, 12 years who get bad shoulders and bad knees. And now we see in boys coming out of the academy first couple of years and they're having shoulder reconstructions. Okay. So I just think your body adapts and gets used to it. But certain bodies used to carrying. You could have a guy who's, who should be 100 kilos, for example, but to play... In the back row, he's told he's got to be 110. So yeah. is his body used to carrying that extra yeah, yeah. muscle mass? I, I don't know. I can't answer that. I'm not a physiologist, but there's that. There's that. Not everybody is made for professional sport. No, mine wasn't. No, you know, I, I managed it for 10 years, but it it just wasn't. No, you know, you, you know, you do see some some guys. You think how? I think Ryan Jones put a. Um, says say something else. you look at somebody like Sam Warburton who's got questions durability possible Ryan Jones said he's probably a classic example he is built to play test rugby short bursts you know four five block games yeah and and that you know high intensity very physical the position he plays and what he does you know his body is battered and then you get the flip side someone like you know Paul James who Nyon played continuously for, or still playing since he was 18 with hardly any injuries yeah. and he's just so like, what's the difference to them two are they but it's just their body types and what they're actually physically built for yeah. and and it's, everybody's different but I think the biggest thing in the game is those game everybody's fitter everybody's faster everybody's stronger everybody's bigger collisions getting bigger so what's going to give us? Something's, Something's got to give. So you're having bigger collisions more often. Well, something's got to give eventually. And unfortunately, it's players' bodies. And yeah. um, people have been talking recently about cutting games, but then and well, players only playing certain games. And but then broadcasters and sponsors go, "Well, we want our best players on the field all the time." And then it's a whole circle of do you shorten seasons and when do you play and so you know I think something's got to change because you've seen a lot of before when I first started everybody get at least 30 31 32 yeah. seeing boys retiring now 22 23 concussions become a huge thing I think for the bet you know people understanding concussion now so players aren't being exposed uh, aren't being put at risk as much as they were before but it is scary sometimes when you come in like we've we're not even into the first league game of the season and we've got fourteen senior pros on injured at the moment really? and we're not even in the first day of the yeah, yeah. of the league season yet and it's well, that's the game. Crazy isn't it? So put me in your mindset, preparing for a big game, so it could be playing for Wales, playing for the Lions, how do you get ready? Do you get nervous? Uh, I think you you always get a little bit nervous. I think you've got to. 
Little Sorry. Birdie told me there's a bit of David Yuan Omar Heed you'd be speaking to Sean Jones I, I don't reveal my sources <laughs> mate I'm just asking if that's I, part, of the, I, part of the plan you know, I, I do listen to a bit of music like a, I, little songs I enjoy um, listening to but it's for me I I've always found a bit of fear as well than the unknown so always make sure you're prepared for the game while uh, you can go Done the line now, so I want to do. I've done my stretcher, I've done enough reps and training to know my role. But for me, it's all you always have that little bit of fear, and I think international rugby especially gives you that. And big club games, you know, out here and in Europe gives you that, especially last season. You know, I'm playing a European quarter final since 2006, so to be involved in that, and I think the fear of the unknown drives you as well. and yeah. And keep keeps you on edge. I think if you're never on edge as a player, I'm quite relaxed as well. Like people see me relaxed on the outside, but internally, internally something's going on. switched yeah? on, yeah, mm. and and that's so you're almost putting a perception out that no, I'm not taking the seat, but actually inside it's quite switched on. I, I honestly, Ken, I was like that. Yeah, I, I'd my belly be rumbling. I'd, take five or six visits to the toilet before a game but I'm trying to put on this brave face because my personality yeah. is laid back acting as if you're fine trying to stop my leg twitching because yeah. it's a sign of nerves you know but it's there isn't it yeah it is I think you you always got that, that fear of the unknown the nervousness I think if you haven't got that then what's the point playing the game as well yeah or playing sport I think it's I, I, I always find if I'm you know absolutely silent you know you know smashing doors and all that type of stuff then I've already lost lost myself because I got, I find the more relaxed I am especially mentally that's how I get my best performance that's where David Ewan comes in yeah it does there's a bit of you know, obviously history in there you know with the club and <clears> the, the region song and everything that, that comes into sort of remind me who you're playing for what regions about this couple there's a the old Kamada you know Frank Hennessy and you know little songs like that which you know have got meaning which you know just you know, helps chill you out there's some cause, and why I started it was I couldn't cope with the other boys music basically yeah, the, yeah. the rubbish I was being paid <laughs> on the bus and and some of the heavy metal not heavy metal heavy dance trance shit yeah went to a better word it wasn't me so I I can't get myself too psyched up. They use that to psych themselves up, and I just, that's not really me. So. Playing for, you know, we'll wrap this up, talking about Lions. Uh, you mentioned briefly New Zealand earlier. What What is it like? Because I've watched the documentary All or Nothing. Um, you hear stories about the intensity of being there and how the country is rugby mad and it's everywhere. Just walking the street, yeah? Just yeah. getting abuse. I, I love New Zealand. I well, I went back in the summer uh, for Hadley Parks' wedding, and I, I never really clicked. How was it going to go down? Obviously, with the incident at the end of the, the Lions tour in the third test, with the I'm, I was going to get to was that. it accidentally offside? Wasn't it? And all the rest of it. And I thought oh, sometimes New Zealand they they don't know anything other than what's in New Zealand. So I just thought they ref- they wouldn't even know where I am. Right? You know, type of. I won't even acknowledge. And I get to the passport control, 
give my give my passport. He's going through. Uh, goes, oh, Mr. Owens, great. Uh, over for uh, business or pleasure? He said, oh, I'm over for a friend's wedding, so you know, just chilling out. Oh, brilliant. So you're not playing any rugby then? Oh, interesting. Here we go. I said, no, uh, no. No, I'm not. He goes, all right, have a lovely trip. Um, just stay on side this time. And I was just like... <laughs> oh. So I thought the first person I bumped into was Here already clocked me. And, it, you know, this... Um, with New Zealand, it, it's a great country. I love playing there. I think... The reason why they're so good is because it is literally the nation's passion. Every kid plays to to represent the All Blacks and put on the black jersey and that is pretty much the goal for, for every child growing up in in New Zealand um, to be fair they are built for rugby the skills they got but it's all because that's what they're course and that's what they're trained to do from young ages and it has it is you know it's, it's not by coincidence you know they invest in their coaches they invest in their structures and it's, they probably are ahead of the game and have been for, for a long time. But I think everybody's catching up in certain ways, but they, do, always, always, they always find a way to evolve, which is... Annoying. It is annoying. <laughs> I, think that's, you know, I think that's why you look at the Lions series for us to... We always spoke about, in, we had eight weeks, the first day we met, to become the best side in the world. Yeah. So when you actually think, Bring four countries together. He said, "Well, you've got the best players from the British and Irish Isles." I guess that is true. But then you've still got to put that together: different egos and different combinations, and mm. what's the best that fits the works. And, and we we had eight eight weeks to become the best side in the world, and we didn't have a bad job. But I think to you know, Lions only won one Test series in New Zealand in under twenty five years. For us to get a draw, was the second best result, you know, was class him. class to be involved just with the Lions, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, you can't until it's hard to explain. Um, I suppose the, to be involved in the Lions is it is the greatest honour, you know. I think there's only just over eight hundred people who've, who've done it in um, 125, 130 years, and. It is the ultimate. It is the pinnacle. And things like little thing. I remember um, Jeremy Gascott doing an interview just after the '97 tour, just for the 2001 tour. And he said, to call yourself a, or to be to be considered a legend, you have to have been a lion. Mm. And little things like that. I go, that's you got something like Jeremy Gascott. That's how much emphasis he put on playing for the Lions, and it always stuck with me. And that's why it is the best players in, in the British and Irish Isles do everything to become the best. And the Lions is almost recognition of that. And I think the, the players who actually miss, missed out from this tour, who left at home, you probably could put a non-selected Lions who were like, Jesus, they get into more, more sides. And I think yeah. that was, that's what's quite humbling about it as well. I suppose from an experience, like an actual touring experience, it was, like logistically it's just ridiculous but I think for me the closest probably for a lot of people to understand you know this by being in France doing the Euros 
it's like being on the, the Euros on steroids. Okay. And it was like the Euros, I thought, was an absolutely unbelievable experience with all the Welsh support out there. And then the Lions, it was just something else again. Like, everywhere you went, it was just red jackets everywhere. I think we played second test in Wellington. It's just 25,000, 30,000-seat stadium. And there's something like 25,000 Lions supporters in the city watching the game. Really? And there was probably... They sold about 18,000 tickets or something to Lions supporters within the state. It was like playing a home game. And I just think, you know, to be part of that was absolutely, well, humbling one and just, you know, an honour to actually call myself a Lion. And mm. it still hasn't sunk in. Like, yeah, we've got a, a lounge in my local rugby club back at home and they've, so luckily enough, well, there's five Lions from the club. I, I come in the fifth and they've, uh, then I was a bit of a, a Lions Lounge to inspire the other boys. And I was sitting there in the summer with a couple of my mates just sitting there. I was just staring. I was, the guys I'd looked up to growing up, um, Danby Thomas, Roy Bages, who were Gerald Davis, were the focal point of the old Command Athletic Clubhouse because yeah. they were the, the the Lions. And then my picture was up next to them. And I'd grown up looking at them three. And then I was just like... Surreal, yeah? It's surreal. And Dialias, who was... A lot older than me, but he's he's a good mate of mine, good friend. He just goes, it won't, it will never sink in, Ken Boy. He goes to me and I say, like, I, I know, and he just, and he, and it did sum it up. It's just, I just don't think it will until, or perhaps appreciate what we achieved, or what, until, sort of, you you finish playing, you look back and. And have their memories really. When you're in that lounge, have you got a special little bell, or do you click your fingers and everyone's got to do whatever you tell them to do? Nah, no, no not in that club. Well, no. Nah, if you if you ever go above your station, you, know, you get pulled straight back down pretty quickly. To be fair to them, there. That's why I enjoy going back there. They they treat, you know, they. For me, we go there. We have, I go there all my mates, but you know, and they're so proud of what I've achieved and what other players have done and achieved. Like we played in the Pro 14 final at the end of last year and I, I went to the club the next day and uh, they were so chuffed obviously lost but proud that there was like seven athletic boys in the match day 23 that day I think it was six or seven and, and I was just like that's brilliant but then you go back there and you you try and be clever you do get pulled down pretty quickly yeah. to be fair yeah, it's but, a good thing you know, I, I do enjoy it it's, it's it's a good laugh. I've got my cousin who's the second team captain, first team enforcer, I reckon. He tries to call himself, but because <laughs> he got but and he just got him just shouting the boosty around the club all day. Yeah. It's just like but then he wouldn't change it because that's where I grew up, that's it's my, it's all my mates that I grew up playing with and watching play and that is good fun. It is. Let's finish this off then. You've touched on it there. New Zealand for the Lions. I'm sure you spoke about it loads. What's going through your mind? Build it up. Or uh, maybe I'll do my best to build it up. I so last last test. Yeah, um, I haven't long got come on either, which was... I've uh, been on about 10 minutes and we uh, just had a turnover and I think Owen Farrell put it over from about 45 metres, I think, hell of a nudge. To draw level, uh, is that right? It was to draw level. Yeah, it was to draw level. And um, yeah, I, I kick made, off comes back in. Well, no, I made the comment. I said, right, boys, don't panic. No mistakes. Um, <laughs> win the ball and exit. 
and that's all I remember. You see the ball go up, Liam Williams track it, and I'm just working my hardest to get behind the ball, ready to clean him out, and just having that time to do it because obviously I, I was, a, I was front, I was lifting one of the other boys. Uh, who's he been? Toby, maybe. Um, so my job then was obviously wait just in case he landed on him to lift him and and then get back. And in that time, Kieran Reid has just got up and clattered, and and it's just Liam's obviously hasn't caught it. It's the safest pair of hands in the world, and it's just dropped. And I just don't know what to do. It's just land landed there. Your reaction is to sort of catch, but then you see the I just couldn't let it go, and and that's what I'd done. And. There was a lot of arguing between both players and go to the ref. He gave a penalty initially and I was just like, I can't. I think I walked back. To, I was going to Sam. I was like, you've got to have a word with him. It's accidental. I haven't played with it. <laughs> Please. I haven't tried to, to run I'm with the ball or anything. And luckily, he's really good. He, he got into the ref. And I just remember walking back to Foxy and said, everything I've done in my career and achieved, this is what I'm going to be remembered for losing the third test for the Lions on the series and I was just like this can't be happening it's just one of them and and then I turned around and I was just like then the scrum was given and I was just Ooh. like brilliant brilliant and I was like right I'll take that I'll just surely that doesn't it. happen often referees changing their minds no it didn't and, and I, I can't say people say different things I think Warren Gatlin was unbelievable in the post-match press conference because he just um because if you remember, it wasn't really spoken about after the game, and it, right. it wasn't really spoken about again. There was little bits and bobs, but he just said, "Well, I thought Kieran Reid took Liam Williams out in the air, and he was just stopped there, okay. stopped dead." And I was like, "That's some good work there." But the, I think the, what would have been the best or the the toughest thing, we actually turned the scrum over the next scrum, and Reese Webb almost went the width, the length of the field. So I thought if we'd have scored there, then I really would have rubbed, yeah, yeah. rubbed some salt in the wounds. But I was, my heart was pounding and... Relieved, mate. Oh, relief is a, it was definitely relief, I know that. Talking about referees, I heard you were um, mistaken for Nigel Owens recently. Is that right? No. No? That's, uh, that's what my source <laughs> said. Was it in LAN or something like that? LAN? No. I'll have to cut this oh, bit out then. That's what he said. He said someone mistook you for Nigel Owens. No, I don't know whether he's on about a different story. Whether two guys had a punch-up over what my name was. Because one was calling me Ken and the other was calling me Kenneth. And they decided to have a punch-up <laughs> what my name actually was. But that's Lamford. Um, need to change my sources now. Yeah, I just realised he's full of shit. He's unre- <laughs> unreliable, that man. Now, nah, Ken... Uh, Honestly, thank you very thank much. Thank you, Jocko. Thank you, Thank you. 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 Thank you.